Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares. It's so easy for your thoughts as it relates to sex out of context to spin out of control. And it's so easy for you not to call for any help because no one really sees that. And if it's spinning out of control, the Bible would say, just logic would tell us, you gotta get help. I think it's a stretch to say that our society is obsessed with sex, and as appealing as casual sex may appear, there is a dark side as well. Today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares is warning us to guard our minds from the temptation of sex, reminding us of just how much we have to lose. This message comes with a trigger warning. We're studying a difficult passage about rape, which may not be appropriate for sensitive or young ears. Well, here's Pastor Mike. There are warning labels on lots of things. I, I found a warning label on the Pop-Tart box. <laughs> and it said, pastry filling may be hot when heated. <laughs> okay, that's helpful, right? Um, and it's funny how in our world we're so used to putting, you know, warning labels on everything. Uh, but we don't like people doling out warnings about sex. And if the church gets a bum rap for doing that, I guess it's okay because we need to. Because enough of you here could walk up to the microphone and testify to how sex out of context scarred, damaged, hurt, and perhaps ruined your life. And it's true. I mean, I don't expect warning labels on paper clips, but I do expect them on chainsaws, right? And sex is one of the most powerful human emotions and experiences that we can have. And so there needs to be a warning. And the warning needs to be, sex is great. Have it in context. As a matter of fact, we really wanted to preach another sermon, and it's not the sermon for the morning. I could probably prove to you that most of you are not having enough sex. And, you know, that, like I said, not the sermon I want to preach today. <laughs> but when it comes to sex out of context, you just need to be reassured of how damaging and devastating that is. And I know you know that intellectually, but what I'd like to do this morning is to look at a biblical situation that may help us safeguard our own lives against even starting down the path. And I think most of us, I hope that most of us have avoided the, the wipeout, the big sexual sins perhaps, but let's not even get close. Let's not even start going down the path. And I want to show you how easy it is by analyzing the sin of a man named Amnon. And if you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 13 and look at this sexual disaster in the life of Amnon, son of David. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean much to you because you haven't heard much of Amnon, but you would have had he not done what he is about to do that you're about to read about in the 13th chapter of 2 Samuel. He is the heir apparent. He is the eldest son of David. He is the firstborn. And the firstborns in these ancient Near Eastern cultures, of course, were those that would inherit the throne of their father in a kingdom like Israel, but he does not. And he doesn't because he flushes his life through this terrible sexual disaster. 
Now you remember, of course, he's living in the shadow of his father who we've already seen has made it his practice, at least at one critical point in his life, to satisfy his own sexual desires by stepping outside of the context that God has allowed sex to be in. And he has had sex out of context and has in many ways damaged his own life. One of the damaging features of sex out of context in David's life is that he is going to have a son that learns through that experience and doesn't feel like he should be deprived of the satisfaction of sexual gratification in his life when he wants it and with whom he wants to have it. And so in 2 Samuel 13, it's a very sad story, not just about Amnon, it's a very sad story really about David who has to watch his own children make the same kind of mistakes that he made. And I wanna show you how it happens. Look at verse number one. It says, now in the course of time, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom. Here's the problem, three words, son of David. <laughs> you see the problem here. Problem is that though Absalom and Amnon are both sons of David, they are, if you remember back to 2 Samuel 3, they are sons of different moms. David had a problem that began not just with his sexual relationship with Bathsheba, but his problem began in his practice of copying the other nations and getting involved in polygamous marriages. And so there are many children in the palace that grow up together that have different moms, but they're all sons of David. Amnon is the son of one of David's wives, and Absalom is the son of a different wife who has a sister who is also the daughter of a different wife than Amnon. So Amnon and Tamar are half-brother and half-sister. And the text describes her here as beautiful. I just want you to know that we need to get out of the victim mentality that is so popular in our world, and we need to recognize that the problem with Amnon was not that he had an incredibly beautiful sister. That is not the problem. The problem is what he did with that fact. Oh, you can't deny that his sister was beautiful. The problem, though, is that in his mind, he followed a path that led to this, verse 2, frustration. He thought sexually and lustfully about this gal, and he became frustrated even to the point of illness on account of his sister Tamar. Why? Because she was a virgin and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. The virgin daughters of the king in ancient Near Eastern cultures were often, uh, this is a strong word, but sequestered in the palace with lots of officials and lots of servants and lots of people that carefully protected the social activities of the daughters of the king because it was important in their marriages that they maintain their purity before marriage. And so they had this entourage around Tamar and there was no chance, even in the most uh, sordid plan on Amnon's part to in any way seduce his sister because she was always followed around by a big crowd of people that David, of course, in the culture had assigned to his virgin daughter. But the fact that we need to note from the first two verses is that in Amnon's mind, that all didn't matter. He was still gonna think about it. It is in the Bible unlawful, as it is in our day, to marry your sister. You can't do that. Now, those of you that are thinking back to the beginning of the Bible, you understand that there was a point when it was not unlawful. It is unlawful in God's scheme for a variety of reasons, but I suppose the most obvious is there's a genetic problem that takes place when you're having children with your sister, right? So in God's plan, and I suppose in the purity and perfection of the first generations, God does not prohibit this. As a matter of fact, it becomes a necessity in the first generation. 
And as a matter of fact, we read of people like Abraham and Sarah, who are half-brother and half-sister, and it happens in the Bible without comment. But by 1445 BC, when Moses comes down from the mountain and begins to articulate the laws to Israel, it is from that point forward forever forbidden for you to have any kind of marital thoughts about your sister or half-sister. It was illegal, it was immoral, it was, to use an old word, it was illicit, and you weren't supposed to even think about it. And when I say you weren't even supposed to think about it, I wanna tell you that that's both a New Testament and an Old Testament concept. Then when it comes to sexual sin and sex out of context, the real issue in God's mind is that human beings don't even think about it. The problem with Amnon is he thought about it so much he got frustrated over the fact that he couldn't do anything about it. But he thought about it, and he thought about it a lot. He thought about it so much it led to his own physical illness. He was sick with a lustful passion for someone that he wasn't supposed to have and really, for all intents and purposes, couldn't have. And yet, he was thinking a lot about it. Jesus said it to a generation of disciples who sat on a hillside as he said to them, you think adultery is bad, right? Oh, of course that's bad. And he said, you know what? It's not just really about adultery. He said, it's about what takes place in your mind. Because he knew that no one's ever going to get in a bedroom with someone that's not their wife if they hadn't thought about it first. And so he says, the problem is what happens in the theater of your mind. And he says, it is sin for you to think lustfully about another man's wife or about sex out of context. So he brings the sin down to the mental activities that take place. And so I look at a passage like this and I know it's headed to disaster. And the first thing I note is that we need to change our thinking if we're not gonna follow in the pattern of Amnon. And I put it this way, if you're taking notes on your outline this morning, we need to always think legally, all right? Now that's kind of a strange way to put it, but if the context of sex is always governed by God's parameters, then it's not that God doesn't want me to think about sex. He knows that we as sexual beings are going to think about sex, and that would be the simplistic answer, and that's the way the non-Christian often looks at the Christian, that we're anti-sex. We're not anti-sex at all. Hopefully the church of Jesus Christ, the most sexually satisfied people on the planet because we're living by God's standards. But the point is, and I want to put it in the positive, because I want us to recognize that we need to be thinking legally, lawfully, morally. We need to be thinking right. And that means that there's no problem with me thinking about sex in context. As a matter of fact, it ought to be happening, because that is how God created us. The problem is when I allow myself to think of, of sex out of context. See, in my life as a married man, there's only one person that I can have sex with legally. Only one person that it's moral and right to have sex with. There's one gal and that's it. For me to think in any way, romantically, lustfully, or sexually about any other person is a waste of my time because it will only lead to frustration. Because it's something that I cannot have and it's something that I should not have. So for me, it's a useless thought. So I am instructed by God if I'm not supposed to think unlawfully. It's not that I'm not supposed to think at all. It's that I'm not supposed to think about it in a wrong context. And it is for you something that you must challenge and discipline yourself to do. Sex, great. We're sexual beings. God puts sexual desires in our lives. They have an appropriate place to be satisfied and resolved. 
And God has that for us. Now, if you're single here, there, I understand, is some issues of timing and all, all the rest, and that is perhaps another sermon. But the bottom line is, when it comes to sex, there's a context, and that context needs to be carefully governed and protected in my mind. It makes no sense for me to think of sex out of context, because it will only lead to sin. That's what Jesus is trying to get us to say. There's a man in New Haven, Connecticut, that pulled up to a stoplight, and he... Uh, got out. He thought he had a problem with his tire, and he thought he put his car in park, and perhaps he did. But as the time he closed his door and was looking at the tire, his car slipped into in reverse. Perhaps you saw this on the news. I remember seeing it a few years back. The car starts backing up and picking up speed. It picks up enough speed, and you know what happens when your car's backing up, and you let go of the wheel. The wheel turns, and the car starts to go in circles. It didn't hit anything. It just started going in circles in the middle of this intersection. Now you can imagine, there's no passenger, you've just stepped out of your car, and now your car is spinning circles in the middle of a busy intersection. You remember this on the news, some of you may have seen it, but there the car was, and it just keeps picking up speed. And there it is in the middle of it. You know the news report, I read some old news reports uh, this week on that incident, do you know that that car spun in that intersection for over two hours? Can you imagine standing on the curb and it's like, You know, there's my car, just spinning. They, they called the police, and the police showed up and went. They called the fire department, and the fire department comes out, and, and, and they just sat there. Well, what do we do? Well, we don't know. We don't normally get calls like this, right? They're, this car is spinning out of control. They ended up, in the news story, the, 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 the report says, they end up calling in some wheel loaders, some big, like, bulldozers. And they put three of them side by side, and they kind of got this little scooped pattern here, and they moved forward and just hit the car and kind of trapped it up against the, the curb. And they basically destroyed the car. A cop calls over the top, breaks the window with his uh, uh, flashlight, goes in there, reaches and turns off the car. I'm, I'm feeling bad for the owner, right? I'm thinking, this is an embarrassing situation. But worse would be walking away and saying, you know, not my car, right? I mean, that's worse. Call the cops. Get somebody involved in this. You need some help. Your car is spinning out of control. It's so easy for your thoughts, as it relates to sex, out of context, to spin out of control. And it's so easy for you not to call for any help because no one really sees that. And the Bible says there's where the real battle is fought. I mean, your real primary sex organ is right here between your ears right? Here is where it all starts. And what goes on in there is either thoughts in context or thoughts out of context. It's either thoughts about people you can't lawfully have sex with, or it is. And if it's spinning out of control, the Bible would say, just logic would tell us, you got to get help. And you got to do something as drastic as calling in people with bulldozers to take the out-of-control thoughts and help you control and contain them. And there's some of you here this morning that know exactly what I'm talking about. You feel convicted when I say it. And you know that no, though no one else knows about your thought patterns, you've got thought patterns that are not lawful, they're not legal, they're not moral, they're not right. And you need some help. And what you need to do is as drastic as pulling in bulldozers and taking those thoughts and beginning to have them harnessed. And that means that you're going to have to actually tell someone what your problem is. And for some of you, it's unthinkable because you're 
well-respected. I mean, you're a husband and a dad, and to have improper thoughts in this regard is it's not appropriate. I mean, no one thinks I'm having these. Everyone needs accountability. But perhaps the urgency of accountability in your life has reached a new height, because as I say these words, you recognize that your thoughts about sex are very inappropriate, and they're regularly inappropriate. And you have to get it under control. I'm not telling you not to think about sex. I'm just saying always think legally. The problem with Amnon is he was busy letting his thoughts spin out of control about a prohibited relationship. Worst sentence in the passage comes up in verse 3. Are you ready? Now Amnon had a friend named Jonadab. That's it. Underline it. Doesn't sound too uh, dramatic, but it is the turning point of the passage. Amnon had a friend named Jonadab. He was the son of uh, Shemiah, David's brother. So he's a cousin. But he's a cousin that he likes to hang out with. He's a cousin that is a friend, a buddy. And Jonadab was a very shrewd man. Literally, in the Hebrew, it says he's a very wise man. Like the rabbis used to say, he's not wise and good, he's wise and evil in this case, as we'll see. He asks Amnon, and here's a phrase I'd like you to circle. He says, why do you, note this phrase, the king's son looks so haggard morning after morning. What's the implication here? Come on, let me look at you. You're the prince. You're the heir apparent of the kingdom. I mean, you should have whatever you want. What is your problem? You look so deprived, so down. What are you not getting that you should get? Perhaps he's vying for a position in the kingdom with someone he's got some influence with, but he says, what's the problem? Won't you tell me? Amnon said, I'm, uh, you know, I, okay, just, it's my sister, Tamar. Wow. And he explains his enamored, lustful, quote-unquote, love with Tamar, Absalom's sister. Without hesitation, and we don't know how long there was between verse 4 and verse 5, but in this conversation, Jonadab, the very shrewd, wise man, says, I know a way you can get a little closer to her. You want more time with her? You want opportunity with her? You want your desires fulfilled? I, I can help you. Here's a plan. Let me, let me see. This would work. Why don't you go to bed and you, you pretend to be ill. Pretend to be sick. And eventually, I know your dad's going to ask about what your problem is. And, and when your dad does ask that, say to David, say, well, I'd like my sister Tamar to come and, and give me something to eat. And ask, ask your dad to have Tamar come and prepare some food in, in, in your sight and, and that you can watch her and, and you can eat from her hand. Say that would be real comforting at this point of your illness. And that would be a plan, and that would get you maybe alone with Tamar. All right, I got to go. I'm heading off to work, but, uh, you know, have a great day. We'll see you later, Amnon. Bye. Now Amnon is left not only with illicit thoughts, but he's left with advice from somebody who's leading him into foolish, devastating behavior. His buddy is a fool. Oh, he may be wise, quote unquote, in evil, but he's foolish. You know, the problem with Jonadab is not just that he's a fool. The real problem is that Amnon was foolish enough to befriend him. The problem is that Amnon was foolish enough to listen to him. 
I suppose if I could step into the historical narrative and say something to Amnon, I would say, no, don't listen to Jonadab. He's an idiot. Don't listen to him. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't even be his friend. A guy like that who thinks you should have all your desires fulfilled, who's going to try to help you in your illicit thinking, ah, kick him out. He's not going to be your friend. Distance yourself from him. Stop listening to fools. If there's something that needs to be said in a culture like ours filled with Jonadabs, it's that I say to you that Jonadabs are completely unhelpful. And you and I need to stop listening to fools. Are there fools in our culture? Yeah, I'm not even just talking about your friend at work who may be the crude guy in the office and you just happen to like him because he's funny. And, but the things that he says, and if ever he knew you had an attraction, he would exploit that. And I'm not talking just about that, although that's a no-brainer. Those guys you shouldn't be hanging out with, period. But I'm talking about all the subtle things in our culture that are Jonadabs to us that take our minds and help us and assist us in thinking about sex out of context. Can you think of some things that help us as a culture think about sex out of context? Oh my goodness. I uh, looked up the Billboard's top 200 songs that are being played on radio stations across our country. I focused in on the top 15 and then I went to a website called lyrics.astroweb.com or you can look up lyrics to just about any song that's out. And I started looking up the top 15 lyrics that are being broadcast every day, every hour, in every city across our country. And I just started reading them. And as a matter of fact, as I looked at this list, I identified some of those songs with songs I just heard this week. Songs that I had heard at uh, a sporting event at San Clemente High School. Songs that I had heard at the mall when I went to the mall. Songs I had heard that warmed up a particular event that uh, I, I went to. And I heard those songs and I saw those titles and I read those lyrics and I was embarrassed. Because lyric after lyric after lyric helped in thinking about sex out of context. You're listening to Focal Point and a message called How to Keep from Ruining Your Life. Pastor Mike Fabares covered a difficult scripture passage today, which serves as a powerful warning of the temptation of sex out of context. To review the study notes for today's message or to listen again, go to focalpointradio.org. Just look for the series called Sexual Disasters. We're so glad to have you with us today and every day as we study the depths of God's Word. You know, our goal is to help people understand how God wants them to live and then equip them with a biblical foundation so they can stay strong in the face of temptation. Focal Point airs on more than 800 radio stations and outlets across the United States and is accessible worldwide through the Internet and the Focal Point mobile app. This program is freely available because broadcasting and production costs are funded by listeners. And if you're among those who support this program financially, I'd like to express our gratitude. Because your giving enables others to hear truth, wisdom, and develop understanding as a result. This month, we're featuring a helpful book written by Pastor Mike called Lifelines for Tough Times. Now, this book will help you understand why God allows suffering, as well as providing you with resources so you can stand strong in the face of trials and rest in God's care. 
We'll send you a copy of Lifelines for Tough Times as our way of saying thank you for your generosity today. To make a donation, go to focalpointradio.org. You can also call 888-320-5885. If you prefer sending your donation by mail, write to Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for our free weekly email. Once you've subscribed, you'll receive an uplifting devotional from Pastor Mike that points you to Christ and encourages you to make Him the focal point of your week. Go to focalpointradio.org and look for the link that says Weekly Devotionals. Well, I'm Dave Drewy, inviting you to join us again Tuesday as we continue our study through 2 Samuel, right here on Focal Point. Hey there, Pastor Mike here. We're almost out of time, but before we go, I wanted to personally invite you to contact us here. Let us know how we can be praying for you. Head on over to focalpointradio.org and click the contact page or send me a note on Facebook, facebook.com slash Pastor Mike or twitter.com slash Pastor Mike. Can't wait to hear from you. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.